Welcome to On Arrival, the Traveler's Podcast. We're your hosts, KT and Jordan. Throughout our 20s, we've lived and traveled all around the world and fell in love with exploring new cultures. Here at On Arrival, we interview some of the world's most eccentric travelers to hear their original and authentic stories. We hope this show inspires you to take your next trip. And that when you land, you have a game plan. On Arrival. We're back. Another Friday episode, another chance to talk travel, answer listener questions. And just shoot the shit with you guys, because that's what we do on Fridays. <laughs> that's, that's what we do. So our first question comes from Josh. Josh said, thank you for the U.S. fall travel destinations this week. If I'm looking to go on an international trip this fall, what are your suggestions for places to go? Okay, thanks for the question, Josh. I'm going to go first. My suggestion is one that's popped up in a lot of our episodes, and that's going to be Colombia. I would say check out Medellin, check out Bogota. We've heard nothing but amazing things. It's extremely safe, and it's open to Americans, both vaccinated and unvaccinated. Obviously, do your research. Disclaimer. Do your research into the situation there as far as health and safety protocols, et cetera. But I would definitely look into visiting Colombia this fall. Yeah. And a lot of the stereotypes that you might think when you think Colombia have been debunked by many of our guests. Right. And, you know, one of the things I read when I was researching was everybody saw narcos and it made them think about Mm -hmm. Colombia. But in reality, Colombia has become extremely safe over the last decade. And it's even, it's, even safer than a lot of U.S. cities. So Mm -hmm. Interesting. So my suggestion would be Croatia. And that is because if you're still trying to hold on to that summer feeling and the warm weather, I think Croatia is a great escape. I've personally only been to Zagreb, but I am suggesting in the fall to visit Split and Dubrovnik. They're right on the Adriatic Sea, There's also some islands there. So you could make a whole trip out of that. And I know that like the water is still warm through November in some parts of Croatia. So if you're Mm. chasing those warm weather days, Croatia's for you. You trying to go? No. (laughs) We have another trip planned. So that's why she says no. In the future? Yes. But just, I can't right now. (laughs) I'm booked. Booked Uh, and busy. Another thing I just wanted to mention was a lot of times fall is off season. It's considered the off season for a lot of like European countries. So it might be a good time to visit some of those like Switzerland. I know it's their off season. Venice, it's kind of their off season. I went in, I believe it was October to Venice, Italy, and it was amazing. Okay, on to the next question. This one comes from Andrea. How do you plan a trip for you and your partner when you both have very different interests? I think Jordan and I are lucky in the sense that we enjoy a lot of the same things. And I will also say that he has adapted to many of the things that I enjoy and has embraced them as well. So that's been super convenient for our travels. But what I would say to someone who has different interests than their spouse, 
is to really make lists, obviously, like planning and organizing is key. Make lists of what you want to see in a certain destination and compromise. Yeah, I would say definitely start there. Make lists of what you want. You both would like to see. See what overlaps, first of all, because that's that's a great place to start. Yeah, start there. And from there, I would say don't try to like bite off a, a lot. So start with like you each like on the next trip, like you're going to do one thing that one person wants to do that the other might not want to do and kind of open yourself up. Like KT mentioned, I have adapted and start to like go to the theater or different things that she might want to see. But I think she doesn't give herself enough credit either. She has adapted to a lot of my interests as well. And I think over time, as you slowly expose yourself to the things that your partner is interested in, What's really special about that is you get to see them in that space and enjoy that with them. And then it grows on you and you start to enjoy it too. And you start to like to take that in with them. Yeah. Kind of like the fact that now I pretend like I know what's going on when I watch a basketball game. Um, when Jordan Sometimes and I- it's impressively good, your takes. Yes. But I like to relate what I see on the court to dance terminology. Oh, you always relate it to. Yeah. <laughs> and a rhythm and flow. And Jordan's like, oh, that's a little off. She's like, that, pl- that plie you did was great. I'm like, what? No, my favorite was that when he played in France and the players would change, they would say changement, which is a ballet term. So I just thought it was so funny. I would always say it. But anyways, <laughs> moving on. Thanks for the question, Andrea. That's our advice. Start slow, few things at a time. And I think that those things will start to grow on you. Yeah. Book the things that you both enjoy and then pick one that she enjoys and one that he enjoys or one that she and she enjoys or he and he. And just, We're inclusive here. Yes. Just make it work and compromise. Don't be like, no, I don't want to do that. Or when you go to say that your spouse wants to go to the museum, don't just act uninterested when you're there, like participate. Yeah. And this isn't a relationship podcast, but that's relationship advice. You know, invest into the things that your partner cares about. It'll make your relationship better. Moving on. Next podcast is going to be a relationship podcast. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) All right. Let's talk travel. Australia. Australia could start allowing its citizens to travel internationally in the next few weeks. Mm. So for they've those, kind of been locked up. Yeah, for those not paying attention, like it's been a pretty strict lockdown on both sides. Nobody in, nobody out. You stay put this whole time. So we've been whining and crying a lot here in the states, but they've been. They've got it worse, and it seems like as soon as November, they might be able to start traveling, but they have to be vaccinated. The whole staffs and everybody is going to be vaccinated, and I'm pretty sure this isn't opening the borders for people to visit Australia quite yet. It's allowing Australians to now travel for anything outside of the listed reasons that existed before, which was like very extreme circumstances. And about, I want to say over 50% of Australia is vaccinated. So those that are vaccinated are going to be able to take advantage of this opportunity when it presents itself. Yes. And what was interesting about the story was as a country, they were using a vaccination milestone as a metric for, okay, when we hit 70%, we'll allow this. When we hit 80%, we'll allow this. So that was interesting to see. And Australia isn't the only country that's mandating that people traveling 
are vaccinated. You have Canada who we, I think we mentioned this already, but they're requiring all air and cruise passengers to be fully vaccinated. Mm, France too. France requiring air, train, bus, all to be vaccinated. And I think France has even gone as far as to say indoor dining for the for the country and movie theaters and everything like that too. So it's, there are some countries that are taking this whole vaccination thing pretty seriously. Yes. And France is, one of the countries that has adopted the digital health pass, like we mentioned, we had dinner with our friends from France and they showed us on their phone. I think it was just an app. We were jealous. Yeah. It seems like that's actually it was interesting because there's like their whole history. It was like mm. every test, every like vaccination shot, it had everything on there, like every negative test. That was really cool actually to see. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I have to bow down to you a little bit today because I read this week that Pfizer actually reduced their shots. Mm-hmm. Go on. So in an effort to lower the amount of people and the intensity of side effects and the amount of people with side effects, Pfizer reduced the amount of mRNA, which is the active ingredient in a vaccine much lower than that of Moderna. And it's the reason why people that are vaccinated with Pfizer shots seem to produce less antibodies. It's funny. I think of the podcast every time I'm out in the wild, which means like out in the public, and I'm having conversations and COVID obviously comes up and people are like, oh, did you get Pfizer? Did you get Moderna? And now I can just stand tall in saying that Moderna is better. (laughs) Moving on. That was a mouthful to say. I, I will say I'm, I I feel like at least one of our listeners probably fell asleep while I said that, but I was trying to be very specific. <laughs> I appreciate that. We also want to talk about Hawaii again. I know we talked about them previously, but Maui is about to require proof of vaccinations for indoor dining starting September 15th. So that's in five days. Yeah. So anybody still planning to visit Hawaii and Maui specifically, there could be some changes. If you're vaccinated, great. I think you got to be vaccinated to visit Maui anyways. Or I, it might be a, or a negative PCR test. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, you might be right. So just keep in mind, if you are not vaccinated and you plan on going to Hawaii, when you get there and you go to Maui, you cannot eat inside if you are not vaccinated. And don't show fake proof because you may go to jail. Yeah, it actually says right here that it can be a negative PCR test or vaccination. So if you are not vaccinated and you're just presenting a negative PCR test and you want to go eat at a restaurant starting September 15th, you'll have to eat outside or get takeout. There you go. It's getting real. I mean, I think it's inevitable. Moving on. We're in another wave, so it's understandable. Mm Mm-hmm. Lastly, I'm not sure if people saw this on our Instagram, but Southwest did a major giveaway this week, giving away two months of a companion pass. So how it worked is if you registered and booked a flight by Thursday at midnight, you were eligible to receive two months of a companion pass in the first two months of 2022. So a companion pass, explain that. That means that for those two months when you take those flights, Mm -hmm. 
somebody can ride with you for free. So you get a second ticket for free, as many flights as you can take for those two months. That's a really good promotion and very unique. Like I haven't heard of that before. So kudos to Southwest. Yeah, I was looking at it and said it was one of their best giveaways ever or one of the best travel giveaways you can find. So My issue with it was I know that yesterday was the last day that you could purchase your ticket and I found out about it yesterday. Right. So I was like, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? Yeah. Couldn't participate, but wanted to. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's it for this week. Tune in Tuesday for another great interview and we'll see you all soon. Yes. It's all about Austin. Thanks for listening to another episode of On Arrival. We've had so much fun recording these episodes and sharing them with you every week. If you like this episode, share it with somebody. And don't forget to subscribe to our show, On Arrival Podcast, on all podcast platforms. We would really appreciate it if you would write us a positive review wherever you choose to listen. And look for us on social media at On Arrival Travel on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you're looking for more episodes, you can always head over to onarrival.com.